For this part of Organic Matters, I'm going to go to something I go through about once a month. I want to do it more, but uh, people, uh, there's a resistance factor out there that has just been impossible to overcome for almost 30 years, although we're finally beginning to make headway. We do have to say that we're making progress in decarbonizing our economies and our earth to some degree, not nearly as fast as we really need to do it. So let's at least take a look at uh, what we think we need to do with the public and the political will needed to tackle climate change. In the, in the recent past, climate change is on the front page again. In the space of just uh, three weeks, a few months back, Florida and North Carolina were battered by severe hurricanes whose destructive power was surely intensified by hotter ocean waters, hotter than ever, incidentally, and a warmer atmosphere, which holds what? More moisture. Between these two violent storms, the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, we're going to use IPCC from now on, delivered a forlorn warning about the profound dangers of holding global warming even to an increase of what we now look at the danger point of two degrees was not long ago was actually considered a safe zone. But in the meantime, climate negotiators from across the world are currently wrangling with each other to finalize the guidelines and procedures needed to turn the Paris Agreement into an operational regime. A struggle made harder by the fact that for the last several years, we have not had a seat at the table Thanks again to the previous, I want to use the word climate deniers again so they can line their pockets. Uh, we, they took us off the table. We're coming back though. We're now going to have a, at least a seat at the table to, to put our two cents worth in. And folks, we shouldn't be political racing after each other. The developments that we have to do serve as a reminder that we are in a race against time, period. We're making dramatic progress in decarbonizing our economies, but dangerous climate impacts are also coming at us faster than we ever predicted. We need concerted action now in all major economies to accelerate the transformation of a world that currently relies on fossil fuels for more than 80% now, 80% of its primary energy, and will have to reach net zero emissions in the next 50 years or less to meet the goals of the Paris Agreement to literally keep at least parts of this little aquarium we call Earth we live in livable by humans. On the tech side, from the perspective of innovation, policy, and cost, we know what to do and we can do it. Clean tech innovation is in full bloom in many parts of the world, with an unmatched innovation culture here in the United States and progress happening all over the world even though, again, a lot of our citizens do not realize it or don't want to know it. We know how to set policy standards, provide incentives, introduce carbon pricing, stroke up research and development, and a clean energy transformation at full speed and scale would actually shows to be cheaper than continuing our independence on fossil fuels, even before counting the projected costs of disruptive climate damage as we continue to ignore the problem. Let's look at a few examples of what we have done in the past that shows you can change both politically and intellectually the will and the thoughts of people in general if they just get the right facts, which is getting 
extremely difficult to do. There are no facts out there. Anybody that wants to watch Fox Mesbo well stay home, and the same if you want to go the other way, CNN, Max, whatever it is, CNBC, uh, no, I'm sorry, it's MSNBC. None of them, they give you what they want you to hear. Finding real facts, nobody wants to go dig in. They listen to these idiots, and then they believe it blindly. They don't go check anything. I have people that send me stuff every week, and when I go delve into this particular fact they sent me, there's no basis in that fact whatsoever except the liars that are on public airways. And I'm on the air, so I guess you can call me one if you want, but I promise you what I tell you has been really well looked through and find out what the answer is before I stick it on this tiny show. Let's use this as an example because it's something all of us, at least my age and a little younger, can, can relate to. The transformation that occurred with respect to cigarettes. As near universal social acceptance gave way to smokers being relegated to sidewalks or cordoned off smoking rooms, consider the rapid shift in thinking we have seen, uh, for instance, on the same-sex marriage or about what is happening right now in regard to sexual harassment and the quote-unquote Me Too movement. These are two different kinds of issues. I know that, to be sure. And decarbonizing the global economy is clearly a challenge on a vastly larger scale. But still, all these issues come down to what? One thing. Human attitude changes. Human attitudes. And when norms change, they can change decisively and drive political action with them. Recall, you are, and this hit me in the bone, recall the Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton way back when both opposed, directly opposed what then was called same-sex marriage. And this is back in their primary, I think it was, I think it was year 2008. But a few years later, that would have been unthinkable because attitudes and expectations worldwide had changed dramatically. So am I stupid to think that a similar change in regard to global warming might exist? Maybe I am. I don't know. But there is reason to think that we can consider that. We're living in a rapidly evolving world when it comes to climate change and clean energy. When our context and surroundings change, new initiatives are launched and the nature of our public discourse shifts. It's shifting constantly. All these things can affect our attitudes and our sense of what seems right and necessary at the time. Let's take a few minutes here to just look at things that we know are happening. The one, again, that we're getting back into, thank God, or whoever you want to thank, is the Paris Agreement. The Paris Accord has a huge step forward in building up what we would call norms and expectations. It really sent a powerful signal to the world from governments to boardrooms to civil society and leaders that finally made a pivotal decision to tackle climate change. And folks here in America, that even includes some of our biggest corporations. Even when our government's stumbling backwards, some of the corporations are working their way forward one step at a time, built on strong, what we call temperature goals, a system of five-year cycles to, in essence, ratchet up ambition and a series of measures to ensure that we, ha we, sh we take care of our accountability and our integrity. Going forward, the Paris regime, Paris Accords, 
has the potential, and more, more than in the two years ago because of the change, to become the symbolic heart of the global climate effort, where countries promote engagement, hold each other to account, take stock of the dangers we face realistically, which we've just been a bunch of people out there burying their head in the sand. I always like to use that because uh, of ostriches, which they incidentally really don't do. But we're more and more collaborating in large and small groups and some of them, especially some of the, the more, um, I want to use the word, sophisticated countries, have uh, put their reputations right on the line. And, and in case you're still an ostrich, consider these impacts that we've all seen. With every passing year, the signs of the natural world are becoming more stark and more vivid. Think of this. Just in the recent past, we've seen mammoth storms and floods, multi-year droughts, gigantic wildfires bigger than ever, ever we've recorded in history, scorching um, California in the West and Australia and, and Canada, everywhere. The Philippines, Thailand, China, Japan, I, I, everybody, Brazil. People see this, unless they again got their head buried, more and more. It's definitely increasing exponentially. A lot of these people live through the events, they see their families and friends make it through, watch them on smartphones, see them on television. But most folks now see the snide dismissal of a climate linked to these phenomena is really ringing hollow. You gotta really be one dumb animal if you don't see the connection by now. More and more of the world does see the connection is obvious. Now to be a little bit positive. Let's think about clean technology. At the same time all this stuff's building up and we some people are ignoring it, so does the reality that solutions are becoming more available and affordable by the day and could come even more quickly with a little bit of political support. Look at the astonishing progress we made in the past decade on clean energy as the cost of wind and solar power have literally plummeted. Right now, wind and solar is less expensive than fossil fuels in many places. And the cost curve for energy storage is following suit. You gotta look at the rapid growth of electric vehicles in China, Norway, the Netherlands, us to some degree, and the announcements from many countries, including China, India, Britain, France, Norway, and the Netherlands that they will be at the end of sales of gasoline and diesel vehicles, uh, depending on which country, by the year 2025 or 2030. Not very far down the road, folks. I might even make it to see it, and I'll kiss the ground. One more bit of politics. In recent polling by the Pew Research Center, which incidentally is pretty respected, demonstrates a distinct generational divide in the grand old party, if there is one and there's not anymore, it's just a bunch of MAGA wackos, with millennium Republicans, that means the youngers, 22 to 37, far more inclined than older Republicans to believe that climate change is happening and that we as people and of course our government must take action. The old GOP's just not listening because, again, we're back to the ostrich effect. If trusted leaders and spokespersons raise their voices and make the case to the people in their own communities, we'll call them the tribes, it could make a difference. Initiatives should be funded and launched that hasten the change of norms and attitudes. Plenty 
of Republicans outside Congress understand that climate change is real and getting worse. And they believe the stance of their party leadership is untenable. Don't want to point out that. I'm running out of time. Of course, all of this will be more difficult with the president who beats the anti-climate drum. Be careful. But even that, he won't be here forever. He's over the hump. <laughs> so are both of them, unfortunately. And work done now will open minds and will eventually pay off. Let me leave you with one undeniable fact, I hope, if you're even able to, uh, to uh, listen to me, you'll agree, I think. The fact is, we only have one home, this is it, and we're subjecting it to extraordinary stress. History shows us civilizations have disappeared because they lack the wherewithal to both recognize and address looming environmental crises. This has happened before, folks, in a different way. Yet the solutions we need are here. We know them. They're at hand. We can be defeated by the greed of those who know better but can't walk away from the next dollar in their hand, really by apathy, by those who only have objectives to score points, get ratings, get paid, and, and short-term take care of the, themselves, no care for the world around them or what's really happening. Or we can recognize the stakes and we can learn and discuss, we can vote, thank God, and mark, well, we may not be able to vote if that doesn't, if the, uh, the autocrats take over, and march and raise to meet the challenge that we at least the majority of us know for sure is definitely there.